Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Shocking and disgraceful. Those two words pop immediately to mind when it comes to describing the brutal takedown of Pastor Arthur Pavlowski on a live highway by the Calgary Police Service last Sunday. Judging by the footage, you'd think Arthur was public enemy number one as opposed to a preacher who likes to help people in need. (laughs) What gives? Our man in Calgary, Adam Seuss, shall explain all. All Chris Scott wants to do is open his restaurant and serve an appreciative clientele. This apparently makes him an enemy of the state as the owner of the Whistle Stop Cafe was actually arrested recently. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the nitty-gritty details on what is shaping up to be nothing short of yet another lockdown fiasco for Premier Jason Kenney. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about a modest anti-lockdown protest that took place last Sunday in Vaughan, Ontario. But what made this protest interesting was that the York Regional Police claimed they were using Section 1 of the Canadian Constitution to eradicate the constitutional rights of Canadians. You know, silly little rights like, oh, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. And no, folks, I'm not making this up. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. I want to thank you so much for being there for us and with us. And Thank you. And uh, the lawyers did their best, two of them, and um, we're going to have a trial this next Thursday, week from now. And what's the uh, what's the plan from here? Well, we're going home. We're going to eat something. We're going to take a shower, change. I mean, we, I was taken uh, with my brother straight from church. I did not eat since Friday. Okay. So we're looking forward to to be reunited with our families, and then we will have to start uh, meeting with lawyers. Lawyers, thank to Rebel News, 
lawyers that are going to advise us what we can, what we cannot, how we should uh, go from here, because this is a fight to the death. Those people are not kidding. They want us down. They, they, they want us destroyed, behind the bars or killed. I mean, there was no question. The police roughed me up. I had bruises for two days. I still have bruises. You can, you can still see, which is... Uh, well, you know, they're gone now. Which is Mostly quite... Uh, but, but, you you know, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. So Same with my left, my left shoulder. Yeah, they, they, threw me, uh, they threw me behind the police like a piece of meat. Head down, feet up. So uh, for an hour, I was... I was almost upside down, sitting on my hands and the handcuffs. If you've ever been arrested and the way they put the handcuffs on, you know that's extremely, extremely painful. Those wannabe Nazis, they know how to hurt you if they want to, and they did their best. Well, for over a year, I have been telling people about the overreach, about abuse of power, about harassment, intimidation, medical tyranny, because that's what we are witnessing right now. It's a hybrid between fascism and communism. It's something totally new. Medical tyranny that uses the armed forces of the government and the political power. We were political prisoners for 53 hours. I mean, I would never imagine that I would be living again in a country where pastors out of all the villains on the planet, pastors will be arrested in the middle of the highway, not for planning terrorist attack, not for looking to hurt people, but because we opened the church and we were singing songs and praying for people. I mean, this is absolute insanity. Insane indeed. Funny that Pastor Pavlovsky gets brutally arrested on an active highway, no less and then gets tossed in the slammer, his crime? Well, improving the lives of those down on their luck? And no, Arthur is most certainly not a terrorist. After all, in Justin Trudeau's Canada, we don't rough up terrorists. Rather, we give them eight-figure checks for hurting their feelings. Indeed, does it get any more insane than that? And joining me now for the latest on the Pastor Pavlowski saga is the man who's been following this story closer than anyone else, and that would be Adam Seuss. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Adam. Hey, happy to be back. Fantastic. Adam, firstly, I just can't get those images out of my head about that outrageous and downright dangerous takedown that Arthur endured. What the hell were the Calgary police thinking that day? I, I honestly don't know what's going through their head. Um, Arthur and I have talked about this a few times and like you'd almost think they're like campaigning and plotting in a strategy room of how to make it look as bad as possible for themselves. Arthur's not running away. Arthur's made no attempt to escape. When the police asked to speak to Arthur, he speaks to them. Um, it was it was a massive show of ridiculous force. Um, even I read an article today that they're saying oh, only six police came the first time they went to confront him. He's a peaceful pastor. He hasn't caused threat or harm to anybody. And, and it just doesn't make any sense. So again, I don't know what they're thinking. It's hard to justify their actions. To me, Adam, you know what it is? I think it is just pure intimidation tactics. It's a message for other rule breakers. I go back to late November, Adam Skelly of Adamson Barbecue in Etobicoke 
opened his restaurant and they literally sent in all the king's horses and all the king's men. They dragged them handcuffed into a police SUV. They threw him in a slammer in front of all the mainstream media and others who were there. And I think that was a message by John Tory and the um, and the real mayor of the city, the health officer, Corella Davila, that if you dare open your shops, if you dare uh, go against the lockdown rules, how do you like being on the six o'clock news? How do you like being dragged into a police cruiser? And the same with Arthur. If you dare uh, break our rules, how do you like being pulled over in a dangerous fashion on a busy highway and being arrested and handcuffed and hogtied and thrown in a cruiser? I think it was a message to other would-be lawbreakers, Adam. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think there's some of that. But the thing that really vexes me is the sort of ridiculous double standard that when their own MLAs and office staff are caught going on vacation, flying around when that's ill-advised, there's very little consequence. Other groups are gathering and meeting. You have various protests, other religious denominations celebrating. And again, we're, we're happy that those people are being unfettered as they proceed with their worship or their protest. But the thing that really doesn't make any sense is why they're directing so much furious and uh, vengeful anger towards Christian pastors, specifically in Alberta. It's hard to make sense of. Uh, James Coast's getting constantly inspected. Um, Pastor Artur Pavlovsky getting constantly inspected. Other facilities, you can go on social media and you can see footage of tons of people gathering, whether outdoors or indoors, and there doesn't seem to be any response. Or when there is a response, it's it's oh, like obviously discernist, and they're saying, oh, well, we checked and there's nothing there. You can immediately drive to these places and see that they're in direct violation. And again, I'm not going to name them because we don't want to report anybody, but why is there such malice directed towards one or two individuals to make a point of them only? But Adam, this is a very important point, and I think we should speculate on that, and I'm totally on side with you. I want temples, mosques, churches, you name it, to open their doors, to have services uh, at full capacity. Um, but there is a double standard. It is just, it seems to me, to be Christian churches that are being targeted. Uh, and there's evidence that other uh, religious places of worship are in contravenance of the uh, lockdown order. So, so why Christian churches? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm strictly speculating here, but I think that there is a tendency in society of this mentality of like you can't discriminate towards the majority. So I think that there may be this mentality that Arthur Pulowski may be a European immigrant, not a visible minority, and of a Christian denomination that they can probably make an example of him, whereas other groups are more likely to speak back, um, call out racism, call out other sort of forms of discrimination. Uh, Arthur Pulowski, James Coates, I don't think they're going down that route. So I think they've found someone that they identify as an easy victim. But with these Christian pastors, they're they're setting a strong example. They're not fighting. They're not getting violent. Um, they're standing in their what they believe is their charter right and what is in the charter to go and proceed with worship regardless. So they're trying to make examples out of these pastors, and they're unintentionally making martyrs. So isn't it so interesting? We've been told since day one, Adam, all our decisions, and when I say our, I mean governments, bureaucracies, uh, chief medical health officers, bylaw enforcement officers, all of the decisions are being based on science. Sounds like there's some identity politics in there too. Um, but the other thing, the other theory I have, Adam, I wanna run it by you, is that we all saw that incredible video uh, that went uh, viral around the world of Arthur uh, 
yelling at Calgary police uh, officers and that I think it was an Alberta Health Services official. You know the one I'm talking about. Get out, get out. <laughs> I, I, that never gets stale. Do you think they were humiliated to such a degree that they said, you know what? He's going to get his comeuppance. Will you see what we're, how we're going to arrest this guy? Yeah. And that led to the, the highway takedown. Well, the sentiment the whole time has been that they're going to come back and they're going to make an example because of that. But I, I think that might be skirting the actual core of the issue. They've been after Pastor Artur Pulowski for mm. a very long time. So this isn't a new emergence because that video. Now, that may very well have been what sort of pushed them over the edge or pushed them to really make an example. But if we're going to have that conversation, Pastor James Coates is nothing like that. He's very, very sort of cooperative and and calm, and he has a very different approach to Pastor Arthur Pulowski. So if we're going to use the argument that, that that video triggered it, well, then it would only be Arthur Pulowski being targeted. It wouldn't be Pastor James Coates. It wouldn't be Pastor Tim Stevens. It wouldn't be some of these other businesses. Um, but I do think there's validity to that, that anyone who dares sort of speak up specifically about this. We know that AHS investigated Grace Life numerous times and they didn't move in to shut them down and do all this until Pastor James Coates actually criticized Alberta Health Services during a sermon. So they, they, they reported him, they talked to him a few times, then he had a sermon where he criticized their overreach and their violation of his fundamental God-given rights. And then suddenly the whole place is locked up and the pastor's in jail. Incredible. Tell me, Adam, what has been the mainstream media uh, coverage of Arthur in Calgary? Um, can you give us a, a little uh, uh, Reader's Digest version of what's going on with their narrative? I mean, uh, the first, not this last Saturday, uh, but the, the Saturday prior, uh, a couple hundred people gathered. They remained outside. There was praise and worship, maybe an hour and a half, and then everybody cleared out. Um, no noticeable damage to the community, nothing. They just, they worshiped and then they left. Again, I completely understand outside, loud music, maybe Christian music isn't your thing. A bit of a perturbance at most. But see, the only real media coverage was CTV calling them terrorists and people who terrorized the neighborhood. Um, the other thing I noticed this past weekend when CTV did show up to cover the event, there was maybe four or five counter protesters. Um, CTV stayed across the street for almost the entire day, and the only time they really moved over was to interact with the counter protesters, to get their perspectives, and to film them and interact with them. Um, I tried to go talk to both sides. I mean, we're here to tell the other side of the story. That involves everyone having their voice. Uh, mainstream media has clearly just been pushing a narrative. The other thing that's absolutely bizarre is the mainstream media, they're clearly getting some sort of notification they always leave like five minutes before all the cops storm the place like every single time wow. pastor tim stevens all these things the the mainstream media leaves and then the police show up unbelievable and the fact that ctv would use the t-word terrorist to describe i guess christian music playing outside it just shows you how wrong ctv is adam i mean as i said in the preamble if uh, arthur was a terrorist he wouldn't be behind bars he'd be given a eight-figure check by the justin trudeau liberals so it just shows you how horribly skewed the narrative is but i want to thank you my friend you are bringing the truth about this saga and you're doing an excellent job so well done on you, Adam. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You got it. And that was Adam Seuss in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Sheila Dunreed for Rebel News, and I want to give you a quick update on the case of Chris Scott. Chris Scott is the owner of the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta. He's been leading the restaurant Rebellion. 
That started when he opened his restaurant in defiance of the lockdowns way back in January, and he hasn't closed since. Now, last Wednesday, his restaurant was chained up by the RCMP at the request of Alberta Health Services, cutting the small town of Mirror, Alberta, off from its only gas station and convenience store. Thursday, the government, in secret, without telling Chris's lawyer, got a restraining order against him and Glenn Carrot of United We Roll and unnamed Jane and John Doe. So... That's the rest of us, preventing us from organizing, participating in, or promoting what the government now calls illegal public gatherings, which is peaceful public assembly in protest of the government. You see, Alberta has ostensibly banned public disagreement with the government using this restraining order. Now, Chris was arrested for breaching the restraining order on Saturday night after he held a protest in Mirror attended by 1,500 people, and he's been in remand in Red Deer since then. It's Tuesday afternoon as I'm recording this and we just received an update from Chris's lawyer Chad Williamson from Williamson Law. He's a litigation specialist and he and his team at Williamson Law are the absolute best in the business. They've been fighting hard for Chris as he stares down the government for months now. Chad and his team are not only working to get Chris out of jail but they're also working to overturn that restraining order. So here's the update we just received from Chad. Now, we've just gotten out of two separate uh, court hearings at the Court of Queen's Bench. The first, with respect to the procedure uh, that is going to occur for us to make our application to the court to set aside the injunctive order that was granted ex parte uh, for AHS last Thursday. Now, the court has uh, uh, basically stated that we are going to have a chance on Thursday morning to make submissions to go after uh, the validity of that order with respect to whether or not it was given proper, uh, properly and whether or not full disclosure uh, was provided to the court, and if not, whether or not that is sufficient to have that order set aside uh, on procedural grounds. We also appeared at a bail hearing at the Court of Queen's Bench before a different justice to speak to Chris's release, uh, which is potentially going to happen this afternoon. So we did make some headway there. We are currently going back and forth with opposing counsel um, on the uh, uh, the conditions that will attach to Chris uh, when he is out pending his upcoming contempt hearing that has been scheduled for a couple weeks. So now we've got kind of a twin shoot that we have to go down and there is going to be some uh, rigorous uh, litigation over the upcoming weeks, both uh, in respect of the AHS order that was granted ex parte and of course we've the position that that was granted unlawfully, but also the contempt hearing uh, that is uh, impending for Chris, which is also of a very serious nature. And we are waiting for disclosure from the Crown uh, on their allegations that he uh, is in contempt of that May 6th. Or obviously, there's a kind of a nexus relationship between these two, uh, and one hearing kind of speaks to the other. Uh, the good news is that we should be able to get into court this Thursday to make 
make preliminary discussions about the injunctive order upon which all of this stuff has been founded. Now, I need to get back to work. Um, it's obviously a pleasure to uh, give everybody the uh, good news that uh, we can hope that Chris will be released from custody today, uh, but the war is uh, far from won, and we have an uphill battle ahead of us both in this uh, uh, kind of this twin path that we've now found ourselves in. Did conservative-minded Albertans ever dream that when they gave the Jason Kenney UCPs a majority mandate back in 2019, that this government would later attack its own base? But just check out what is happening in Wild Rose country these days, folks. There is a war on the church. There is a war on the rodeo. There is a war on motocross. And there is even a war on those restaurateurs such as Chris Scott, who dare display the temerity to open their eateries to feed appreciative patrons. And the question arises, why is this even happening? And joining me now regarding the latest chapter in the Whistle Stop Cafe saga is the person who's been covering this story from day one, and that would be Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on the show. Always a pleasure. But Sheila, before we get into the nitty gritty pertaining to Scott's plight, which is changing every day, of course, why is Premier Kenny acting out this way? Surely the majority of Albertans who voted for him do not approve of what's going on right now in your province. It's hard to fathom. On Thursday morning, Todd Lowen, he's the UCP caucus chair, and he's a rural MLA. He resigned his position as caucus chair. And not only that, he called on Premier Jason Kenney to resign his position, calling Premier Jason Kenney the source of the dysfunction um, happening within the province, saying the messaging is completely wrong, saying that the premier has sort of demonized any critics of the lockdown. Um, so it's not just citizens and people who voted for Jason Kenney that are becoming increasingly disgruntled with him. Uh, it's like the old horror movie where the, the phone call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> the criticism is for Jason Kenney is now coming from inside his own house. Yeah, I remember that horror movie. I think it was called Black Christmas back in the early 70s, and it was terrifying. But even more terrifying is the infringement on the rights of Albertans. I mean, that is incredible, Sheila, what you just said, what you just reported. The UP, UCP uh, caucus chair not only resigns, but calls for the resignation of Jason Kenney. Um, what is the reaction of Premier Kenney and those... Uh, still loyal to him in the party in terms of this ongoing mandate of turning the guns on their own base. Okay. Well, Jason Kenney has said that he wants a new base. The Western Standard reported it last week that that was something that Jason Kenney had uttered. Um, and good luck to him because he's he's going to need a new base. He's jettisoned everybody else uh away. He's gotten rid of the people in agriculture. He's gotten rid of the rodeo community, the outdoors community. So the motocross people, small business community, they're out too. Um, you know, and it seems as though he's getting rid of even the support within his own caucus. We've got, uh, I think it's about a dozen and a half, uh, 
MLAs who've signed the uh, anti-lockdown letter addressed to Jason Kenney. So, I mean, Jason Kenney can say he wants a new base, but who on earth is he going to replace them with? Uh, because I'm pretty sure the teachers unions won't be voting for him. You know, it, it's astonishing to me, Sheila. I mean, I want a new base. It reminds me of the song, the Huey Lewis and the News song, I want a new drug. But what was wrong with the old base in the first place? I think uh, this is... Uh, Premier Kenny for reasons that are beyond my simple comprehension, committing political Harry Carey. Uh, we'll see in the, the time ahead. A couple of years is an eternity in uh, politics. So uh, we'll see if there's a fumble recovery. But to bring it back uh, to the Whistle Stop Cafe, what is the next step going forth? I mean, there must be so much public pressure out there. Uh, saying to the government, saying to the police, saying to the public health authorities, would you lay off this guy? He's just trying to make bacon and eggs and pump gas for his customers. Why are you doing this to him? Well, and it's not just Chris Scott. I mean, Chris Scott is uh, emblematic of what's going on in the small business community. And he's, you know, he's a very public face of the restaurant rebellion. But here's the thing. Alberta Health Services got a restraining order against Chris Scott, Glenn Carrot of United We Roll, and unnamed Jane and John Doe. So that's me. That's my kids. That's my husband. That's every single innocent Albertan who wants to gather outdoors in more than a group of five. You got six people at your backyard barbecue now? Sorry, that's jail time now because that's in contempt of a judge's court order. It's not just a ticket anymore. So... You know, it's not just anymore about leaving Chris Scott alone. This is about the civil liberties of all Albertans. For me, it, it's reminiscent of the Hong Kong security law that the communists in Beijing brought down on Hong Kong to quell the protests there. They said they did it for the the safety of the public. They use the term public safety to do it. We have to stop these protests because it's about public safety. Well, that sounds a lot like the reasoning Jason Kenney is using right now to quell political protests in Alberta. These are anti-lockdown protests, protests that are directly critical of the government. That's who he's going after. And old Jason Kenney would have been outraged about the tromping on the civil liberties and human rights of anybody, let alone Albertans, and now he's the guy doing it. Well, you know, Sheila, you might think about Hong Kong. When I hear the words restraining order, I think of somebody like a pedophile who is told as terms and conditions are being released, you can't go near schools, you can't go near playgrounds, you can't go near parks. This we guy... can't go near each other. Yeah. We can't go near each other as adults. Or as, <laughs> grown adults here in Alberta, we can't go anywhere near each other. We're only allowed five people outside. And it's interesting to note, sorry to interrupt you, David, no but the CDC just said the other day that the chance of casual transmission of the coronavirus through casual contact outdoors is less than one-tenth of one percent. So we have the entire province of Alberta under a restraining order, if we try to have an illegal public gathering, which is the disgusting Orwellian term the government now uses to describe people being normal outside, for an absolute statistical rounding error of the chance of contracting, contracting the coronavirus. And Sheila, we have to wrap it here, but very quickly, as you said, one-tenth of one percent is the risk factor. Um, 
haven't we been told since day one science is driving all the decisions? Where's the science here? Yeah, they keep telling us follow the science and I'm trying, but the science seems to change based on politics. <laughs> they went, the Alberta Health Services went before a judge got a secret restraining order without including Chris Scott's lawyer in all of this to restrain the civil liberties of all Albertans based on the statistical rounding error of the chance of contraction. This is one of the greatest injustices I would say ever to happen in Canada. And yet nobody's even talking about it because it's happening to a small town restaurant owner in Mirror, Alberta, and by extension, the rest of us and federal conservatives don't have a thing to say about it. Where are they? Unbelievable. Well, Sheila, um, thank you so much for weighing in on this very important story. And I think you're right. Uh, there are all kinds of scientific disciplines, but when it comes to political science, that is not science at all. That's pure politics. And the politics in your province right now, they stink to high heaven. Thank you so much. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, folks, in Northern Alberta. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. I'm just explaining to you what, how a provincial law supersedes Section 2 of the Charter. So right now, Section 1 of the Charter says you can be out, it's a stay-at-home order, and you can be out for these certain purposes. They do not fall within those certain purposes, so technically they shouldn't be out, and they're in contravention of a provincial law. I'm taking my rights back. This, this means that I have rights. I have the right to gain a livelihood in any province, and I have the right to move around in any residence of Canada. So like... Do I not have rights? Because I want Justin Trudeau to tell us that. Are we, is he ordering us to stay at home and put on masks, or is he asking us? Because he's a prime minister. We voted him in. And like, I was excited about Justin Trudeau when I was younger. Everyone was excited about him. We were just like, oh, he's gonna legalize weed and everything. Like, we were all happy about it. But like, now it's just like, I have no rights. And I will go further by saying no tickets. Officer, why did you give her a ticket? Why did you not give Black Lives Matter demonstrators tickets? <laughs> Officer, why can't she wave a Canadian flag in public? Okay, so you're going to be getting a ticket under the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act, okay? How does, how did, why did you bend the knee to Black Lives Matter demonstrators and you ticket these demonstrators? <laughs> what would be the ostensible policy reason of having a record of a peaceful gathering here, Officer? I'm the daughter of a Holocaust survivor, and at the Nuremberg trials, the police and the Nazis and the Gestapo, they couldn't stand on the excuse of, uh, I was only doing my job. I'm only doing my job is not an excuse. David Menzies here in Vaughan, Ontario. Well, folks, the anti-lockdown protests, they have moved to the suburbs, such as the degree of frustration in terms of businesses going under, in terms of people losing their jobs. And uh, well, what can I say already? If you can imagine the York Regional Police, they're right on scene, they are educating these people that they shouldn't be here in these sort of numbers. It's kind of funny too, because you can see behind me a Liquor Control Board of Ontario Superstore. Uh, as per usual, that's jammed to the rafters indoors and uh, nothing to see here as far as the York Regional Police are concerned. And I'm very happy to report that many people here have their cell phone cameras out and it's daytime. Because you might recall back in January 2020, before there was a pandemic, 
I was covering a Rogers hometown hockey event and apparently in York Region it is against the law to ask impolite questions to Canada's number one weasel, yeah, Ron McLean, the guy that backstabbed national icon Don Cherry when Mr. Cherry was fired from Coach's Corner. If you don't recall that footage, here, check out this snippet of York Regional Police actually physically manhandling me for being on public property trying to ask Mr. McLean some questions. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Great, how are you doing? Good, sir. I'm just wondering, how do you feel about the ratings for Hockey Night in Canada plummeting? Excuse me. Yeah, my wife. Since Don Cherry uh, was fired. I wouldn't know, sir. Excuse me. I'm in a public place. Ron, why did you throw Ron under the bus? Excuse me. I'm in a public place. What are you? Hey. Do not hit me! You just hit me! I you just hit me! I'm trying to get around you. You're holding me back. I'm trying to do my job. No, you're not trying to do your job. You're trying I'm to in a public place. Yes, officer. you're not allowed to hit me like I that. I didn't hit you. I've got it on camera. Okay? Perfect. Are you guys kidding it's me? It's called criminal harassment. This That's is assault. It is. It's called criminal harassment. Is what you're doing. So I'm, I'm practicing journalism. This is not journalism. Do you have a journalism pass to be here? Huh? Yes, I do. I have press credentials. No, you don't. Yeah. See, that's a lie. Microphone in my face. Okay, then I'll be on my way. No, you won't. Not in here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, so that's how the York Regional Police Service feels about freedom of the press. I imagine their feelings regarding uh, freedom of speech, freedom of peaceful protest, freedom of assembly. I imagine those are simpatico too. They want those shut down. They say they're going to issue tickets if need be. We're going to watch them. Well, that was the surreal scene in Vaughan, Ontario last Sunday when members of the York Regional Police Service were actually telling law-abiding citizens who were involved in an anti-lockdown protest that Section 1 of the Constitution gives the cops the rights to shut down uh, such constitutional rights as freedom of speech and freedom of assembly? Unbelievable. Indeed, just when you thought the screwed up rhetoric in 2021 couldn't get any crazier, we were presented with that heaping helping of warped logic. And as always, you had plenty to say. Nassim Hanna writes, really proud of all these patriotic Canadians standing there and exercising their rights. I'm proud too, Nassim, but I wish there were a whole lot more of them, and I wish the cops didn't ticket random individuals taking part in a gathering that was anything but dangerous. But I guess there are quotas to meet. Timothy Dotton writes, They don't wear the mask for their protection. It is to hide their faces from we the people. Yeah, maybe, Timothy, but at least we can still get their names and badge numbers. But I suspect the real crooks must be really enjoying the current climate vis-a-vis -vis hiding in plain sight. After all, a year ago, wearing a disguise consisting of a cap, goggles, and a face mask, well, that would make you stand out like a sore thumb. These days, if one shows their bare face, that can trigger the COVID Karens to shriek aloud. Yes, it's a really good period of time if you need to don a disguise to carry out some shenanigans. Can't wait for this disgusting mask mania to end.
Terry Ann Schooling writes, look at the age of the constables. This is the generation that is a huge part of dismantling this incredible country. They actually look like they believe in what they are doing. Sellouts. You know, you might be right when it comes to some of these cops, and certainly I can think of nothing worse than an uber-woke police force, but I do know there are good cops out there too. Cops that emphatically state that they never signed up for such oath-breaking nonsense. And Reportify Media and Travel writes, Rebel Media, I don't always agree with everything you say, but as a Canadian in Asia, I am going to release this video on all social media over there. Well, Reportify, <clears throat> thanks for sharing, and I must say that I appreciate your open mind. Of course, you don't have to agree with everything we say here at Rebel News, but you obviously keep coming back for more, and you pick and choose what you like and what you don't like, and that's the way it should be. But how sad that our society is increasingly devolving into one that is beholden to cancel culture, in which the slightest offense to the woke Silicon Valley giants can result in demonetization and even deplatforming outright. That ain't my bag, brother, because that's the polar opposite of free speech. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.